are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham's backcourt. Will they be able to post up? We've talked about that a lot the past few days, but we're going to talk to someone who is more educated than anyone I know on Killian Hayes. Make sure you stay tuned. Thanks again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every day. And remember, Lockdown Pistons is free and available on all platforms, including coming soon next week when I get back. I'm going on a trip real quick to Chicago with my fiance, but when we come back, I will be making my debut on YouTube at Lockdown Pistons. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you guys go check it out. But if today is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm your host, per usual, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter, at Kuka Hill NBA. You can also find me on YouTube, at Kuka's Ballroom. You can find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, find articles about the Pistons. And like I told you, I have someone on the podcast today that if I go to, if I want to go to someone about draft stuff or prospects or, or Killian Hayes stuff, this guy is my guy every time. Hal, he's the host of the Busted Headed Podcast. Uh, make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter, at Hal Bridius. He's really good with prospects. That's his whole thing. I told you guys I'm not really into, you know, scouting guys, whatever. But that's kind of like his thing. And he was a big killing guy before the draft. So I thought if we're going to talk about this, I need to get him on the podcast sooner or later. So, Hal, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. I love coming on because you gassed me up so much. It's great. Yeah, yeah, hey, man. You're the guy I go to. come for my positivity, man. Feels good. Yep, exactly. You're the guy I go to for all stuff, prospects or killing Hayes. But let's go ahead and jump right into it. So. We've talked about this a few times already in the podcast throughout the week. I want to get different perspectives on it. So today we'll get Hal's. And he, I feel like everyone we've had on here will know more about this than anybody and will give us a little bit more insight into it possible, po- as possible, I should say. Um, but yeah, Dwayne Casey mentioned that he wanted to start looking for non-paint twos in the offense this year, something we'll talk about more in depth in the final segment of today's podcast. But mentioned as a possibility of doing that uh, by posting up Cade Cunningham, which is something we all expected. Cade, that was something he could do. But he also said possibly posting up Killian Hayes. So Hal is is really, adver- like I said, versed in, in Killian Hayes stuff. So I'm going to ask Hal, Hal if it's possible for Killian Hayes to do it. Has he done it in his past? All those kind of things. But let me just throw this out there before we get to Hal. So last year for the Pistons, Killian Hayes weighed in 195 pounds before the season. Whether that was accurate or not, who knows. But before the draft, I see multiple things here. I'm looking at his NBA draft from NBA.com, looking at Euro aspects, Tankathon. We see his weight go from 187 to 185 to 173. Uh, 173 must have been when he was really much younger, and they just didn't update because that's pretty pretty damn light. Uh, but he was. My point is that he did not weigh nearly as much as he does now because I was sent the training camp roster and checking in the training camp. He is now at 216 pounds. That's 21 pounds more than last season. So if you add on to the fact that he's already 6'5", with a 6'8 wingspan, he's bigger than most point guards, and he now seems to be much stronger than mo- most point guards, which you guys saw in the summer league. So how? Combining all those things, do you think that's something that Killian Hayes would actually be able to do? Is there stuff in his past from the Euro League or in, his, in any of his tape before the NBA that he could possibly do this kind of thing? Do you have confidence that he could do this kind of thing? What's your overall thoughts on that? 
I, I think there's a couple layers here. First of all, he did not really do a lot of post-ups. Um, you know, there, there was no like Sean Livingston stuff in there. Like that's just not, wasn't his game. Um, and I think you have to remember, so when you go through the European systems, like you get put into like a professional position a lot earlier in your career than you do in the States. Um, so like he was playing like pick and roll point guard much earlier than you would like a lot of guys in the States, you basically kind of street ball and AAU your way into college. And then in college, your coach is like, Hey, we're going to teach you how to run like real pick and rolls now. And for Killian, it was the opposite, right? You're going to run structured offense when you're 14, 15, you know, and then, uh, so he he didn't do it like that. Now again, like you said, he's six five. He's really strong. We already see that on defense, right? He's making a, a big impact with his strength on defense. So in terms of like the ability to like hold the post position, certainly has that. Um, you know, it's not that hard to learn a post hook or whatever. I don't see him being a guy who's like taking mid range fadeaways and it, like I just I don't see that very often. Um, but. Like I, there's not a huge amount of difference between like getting the ball in the mid post and in isolation and like just driving into somebody and drawing a foul compared to, you know, like crab dribbling your way off the pick and roll, right? You snake the pick and roll and stuff like there's a similar amount of contact and physicality you need for both things. So I think that's really plausible, but no, he hasn't done it that much in the past. Um, I do wonder how much is like you enter the ball into Killian you know, what can he do as a playmaker out of the post? And like, just, you know, you get him these paint touches. We know he's got the vision to find, you know, passes into the corner and stuff. Is that just a new geometry for him to work with? Um, you know, I think more than him as a scorer, I'm not, I'm not sure how much I care about that, but I think as a, as a passer, um, especially if you're doing like switching um, or you're getting switches in the pick and roll and stuff, is that an easy way to just kind of get yourself some floor geometry? So my thing is that I want to ask you about as well is that um, I, I, I said this on the podcast a few days ago that I believe that possibly could this possibly be like a thing that could help Killian Hayes be more aggressive and help him help him score a little bit more, or try to draw fouls a little bit more. Cause you know, I brought up the fact, you know, I feel like in the NBA, the NBA offenses is, is it's all about driving into the defense, getting the defense to suck in, pay attention to you. And then you kick out the threes. That's basically what offense is over and over and over and over again. That's basically what it is. But if you can just start from the heart of the defense already, it's kind of like you already have the defense punctured. So it, I feel like with a playmaker like Killian Hayes, who has great vision, who is a great playmaker, and the fact that he put on 20 pounds of muscle, he's already bigger than most point guards with a pretty long wingspan. Um, if he's struggling with being aggressive or struggling, like if people, there's people out there who believe that he struggles to get by his man. I think I, think I see a lot of wiggle. I'm not as much worried about that, I think. It's about him being just aggressive. But there's people out there that worry about him being able, being athletic enough to be his guy off the dribble and get all the way to the basket. Do you feel like that possibly starting in the mid-range area and just utilize, getting him closer to the basket and then allowing him to like use his strength, that could probably like help him out if he does struggle with being guys off the bounce? But that, is that something that could help him you know, be more efficient or draw more fouls or give him more confidence to try to get to the basket or make it easier for him? I think so. I think that's something that could really help him. Now, do I think that's going to be something – if they actually even do it, this could be just a bunch of coach talk from Dwayne Casey, but if they actually do do it, um, I think it's something that he could actually, it it could become a pretty good part of his game. It could actually help him become more aggressive, increase his confidence. What do you think? Yeah, I think you hit 
uh, on like the the number one value, which is drawing fouls. Um, if you can get the, the a foul call out of this, that's by far the biggest win. Um, and I think for a guy that shoots as well as he does from the line, that might be a really easy way to like kickstart him and uh, and get him going. Fair enough. All right, so we wrapped up that segment actually pretty early, Hal. We were talking about before the podcast whether we were going to go long or, or, or overlap times, but we did pretty good right there. So we'll go ahead, go ahead and move on to the next segment. Uh, I'm going to hit these ad breaks real quick. Make sure you guys stay tuned to hear about Caden Cunningham and Killian Hayes, the backcourt. Does Hal have any worries about it? And if you do have worries about it, what exactly are you replacing Killian Hayes with? We're going to talk about all of that coming up. But again, I just want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your guys' first listen of every single day. And right after you're done listening to this podcast, make sure you use or make sure you make Lockdown Fantasy your second listen of every day. Josh Lloyd over there doing a great job of that. I was on there about two weeks ago talking about the Pistons upcoming season and evaluating all of them in a fantasy perspective. So make sure you go make that your second listen of today. Um, but let me go ahead and tell you about one of our sponsors, Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is your help of making short list can short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner for help makes your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job's description immediately, reduces hiring time by 27%. According to Talentness, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, go to Indeed.com slash locked for a $75 credit valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. And then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Bill Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You also have multiple other flavors, such as coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, and how, real quick, I ask all my listeners, or all my guests this, do you say caramel or caramel? It depends on whether I want to be fancy. Oh my god, you and Bryce both gave complicated answers. <laughs> all right. Salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and my personal favorite, peanut butter flavor, which is packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, hell, I don't know why you and you and Bryce had to be complicated, man. I just, I, 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 don't, I don't ask for all of this. You know, I try to keep it smooth and everything, try to be cool with everybody. I just wanted to simply know how you pronounce caramel or caramel. And I get, that's two, two straight guests now. I just can't get a straightforward answer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, all right, um, let's go ahead and talk about Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham's backcourt. Now, we've talked about that multiple times on the podcast, um, but it's a big issue. It's a big subject. It's talked about literally every day amongst Piston fans and the Reddit community, the Pistons Twitter, like just simply going out in public when I talk to friends. They like everywhere you go, that's the main thing people talk about. Oh, either you got to move on from Killian or, oh, we hate Killian or, oh, we can't wait to see both these guys or blah, blah. Like it's the biggest subject, I feel like, of the offseason, obviously outside of simply drafting Kate Cunningham, but that's kind of intertwined with that. Um, but how 
I saw you getting a little bit of argument on today with some Pistons fans. Uh, just what's your overall thoughts on the Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham backcourt? Do you have any concerns about it? If you do have concerns about it, what concerns do you have and what strengths do you think of it off top as overall? So I think the big question, right, is what's the impact on Cade playing with Killian before Killian develops? Like if we if we set aside this idea of like what the future Killian looks like and we talk about right now we've got a guy who's like a really iffy shooter and struggling to finish. So what does that look like when you play next to Cade? And I think for me, uh, I think highly enough of Cade that it's kind of like, I, I don't think it hurts him to play with just about anybody on this team. Like if he's the guy we think he is in being this like connector and, and star talent, Cade can play with all shooters. Cade should be able to play with a pick and roll big or a popping big. And he should be able to play, you know, off the ball a little bit with Killian, right? That's you draft him. Number one, he should have that versatility. And it just so happens that that is Cade Cunningham's superpower is his ability to connect all these things. I, I think he is, wired to be like an elite second banana which is a weird thing to say about your number one pick but like if you wanted to play him next to like a Bradley Beal right a a shooting guard who wants to take a lot of touches and a lot of shots you can do it if you want him to be your your James Harden he might be able to do it I don't know if he's like that good obviously but like he's very flexible and he's very good at that so then the question is how does this impact Killian and and you know how does how do they fit together and I I, I just think that's fine. Like Killian is going to benefit a lot from having somebody else with a little bit of gravity on the floor. Anytime you can open up the floor for a guy who's, you know, struggling to get his own offense, that's good. Um, and I think there's a lot of concerns about like uh, how they mesh and, and whether taking the ball out of Cade's hands is a bad thing. But a, even like the, the craziest most heliocentric offenses, it's like a 40% usage, right? Like Russell Westbrook in his MVP season is like a 45% usage. You don't want that for Cade. That's crazy. (laughs) So, you know, you have to share the ball. And like if Killian dribbles it up the floor and then Cade comes off a pin down, he swings it to Cade and then Cade runs like a side pick and roll or something. Like technically you'd probably say that Killian's the, the point guard in that situation. That doesn't mean that Cade isn't getting his offense. Now, Yes, maybe the spacing from Killian isn't going to be great, but like the spacing on a lot of players on this team isn't that great. So it's it's not the worst thing in the world to me. I'm just kind of fine letting that experiment happen. And I think it's more detrimental to Killian's development to try and cram him into bench lineups. And and right now I think the priority is figuring out what he has to offer because that's the major swing factor to whether or not you're looking at another, you know, two years of rebuilding, or are you able to climb out of this in a year or two. My mic was muted. I whole started talking. Thank God I noticed that quickly. Uh, but you said something that you hit, you really hit the nail on the head with this. And I don't think I've mentioned that already mentioned this already on the podcast. I really should have. It's something I should have thought about myself. Uh, but you mentioned something on here and on Twitter that I really wanted to talk about is that, you know, and actually before I even say this part, the part, the point you just made about killing or K coming off a pin down, you know, operating off a, a side pick and roll or anything. Like people, fans need to understand, and people, I, I just want people to understand that basketball, for the in the NBA, it really is positionless right now. And the idea that someone's like your point guard, or off guard, like they can be like this is the one time why I, I won't say that Dwayne Case is doing coach talk or anything. Like they really are like one A one B. Just because Killian brings the ball up up the, up the floor and initiates the offense doesn't mean 
for me, that doesn't mean he's still your primary ball handler. Cade may still be your primary ball handler in the offense or on that possession still. Cade may get the team set and bring it up the court. But then like Hal said, Cade may start up a pick and roll on the side. And, so, and then he still has the opportunity to either score, play make out of it, drive, attack the defense, uh, kick to the corner. Like he can he can control the whole offense just because Killian's the one initiating all of it. That doesn't mean he's not the primary ball handler and vice versa. There'll be, I'm sure there's going to be plays where Cade brings the ball up the court and then initiates the offense and gets it to Kate, uh, Killian and Killian runs his own little pick and roll or something like that. It doesn't matter. First of all, and second, like you mentioned with the usage rate, I don't think anyone wants your, no, I don't care if he's a number one overall pick. You don't want this dude having like a 35% usage rate. You just don't, you don't want him carrying this much of a load. You don't want him, you know, being asked to do this much. It's just not good. That's second. Third, I want to say is that if this, let's say this this pairing in the backcourt doesn't translate to wins this season. That doesn't matter. They, the Pistons do not care about winning this year. They should not care. They should care about developing their talent. So is it going to cost some wins earlier on? Yes. The hope is, is that it eventually will start translating to wins. So you want to watch as the pre- season progresses that it gets better, and maybe they start winning games. Maybe that's why they start winning games as the season goes on, that they start to gel together, and they start taking over some games or start playing really well some games. But it probably is going to cost the Pistons some wins, and that doesn't matter because they're trying to develop guys. That's all that matters. So if the Pistons lose, what, like 50, 60 games this year, if they get, lose somewhere in between there, but the development of each player is taking a step forward, and that's a win. Uh, and secondly, and not secondly, fourth, I should say, of what Hal said, this is the major point I wanted to say. Um, let's say we, we bench Killian. Let's say the Pistons bench Killian and say, you know what, we're, let's just say they listen to the fans. Say, fans, we're going to give you what you want. We're going to bench Killian Hayes, and we're going to start Kate Cunningham. Who is, this, who is this shooting guard that you guys are starting that automatically like, provides better spacing than Killian? Who is it? Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson's not a good shooter, and he's a shot hunter. So he may take the ball out of Cade's uh, hands more than Killian may even do it because Josh is going to shoot for his shots. Uh, Hamadou? Hamadou also is a shot hunter. And he also isn't that good of a shooter either. And he likes to initiate the offense. He likes to take the ball off the glass and go himself. He likes having the ball in his hands. Who is it that you're putting in at that shooting guard spot that's supposed to do a better job at shooting than Killian Hayes? Is it Frank Jackson? And are we talking about giving Frank Jackson 30 minutes a game? Like Frank Jackson, I like Frank Jackson. I think he's pretty damn good. And I think he has a role in this team. But like we're talking about 30 minutes a game for Frank Jackson? No. Like it's, it's just like a not better, another better option. So I just... Like I, I don't, I, I'm also not completely convinced that just starting them two together isn't going to translate to play, better play on the court. I'm not convinced that it's not going to work off top. Like it could very well be a positive net rating lineup off top. I think you eventually get there either way, but I'm not convinced it won't immediately. But Al, if there's anything else you want to add on that, you go ahead. I, I ranted for a minute there. Well, I think defense is the other thing. Like yeah. we've already seen that Killian Hayes is a really good point of attack defender. His help stuff and his off ball defense can still use a bit of work, but like he's easily like far none the best defender at like being the trail guy coming around a screen uh uh working on point guards by far the best on the Pistons roster at that um we've seen that he's got really active hands and we've seen that Cade is a really good off-ball defender and he's not bad on the ball either but like he's got great instincts as an off-ball guy uh we saw in summer league that those two really meshed well on that end so like yeah, there's going to be some bumps like there is with any young team uh, offensively and, and figuring things out. And and like you and I, I mean, I'm obviously a big Killian guy. I know I know I'm slowly dragging you along with me uh, on the positivity train here. But like everyone admits Killian needs to get better offensively. Right. Nobody's saying that's that's not the case. But like 
that's part of the the journey of having this young team, right? That's that's what we signed up for uh, when we started a rebuild. And I think it's also important to look at like what they can do. Like Killian Hayes is a really good um, driver. Like people don't think of him as like athletic because he's not like um, he, he's not a first step guy, but like he touches the paint pretty consistently when he runs pick and roll. Right. He, he snakes the pick and roll really well. He's really strong. He gets two feet into that free throw line and opens things up there. Are, you know, there, that's a tool for him there. Um, you know, he is maybe an, a better passer than Cade. Like Cade's a little taller, got longer arms um, and Cade's better passing with his offhand. But like the stuff Killian sees and some of the like zip he puts on his passes, you know, like there, there's just a like a, a level of instinct there that Killian might end up being the better passer. Of the two. Like there's there's just a lot to work with there. Um, that I think is really interesting. And I think it's important to not just be like, oh, you know, what are all the negatives that could happen? And also look at all the positives that could happen. Like if we come into this season and by the end of it, Killian Hayes is shooting 35% for three, like not a great shooter, but just like he's competent. He's hitting his open corner threes and he's occasionally hitting a pull-up or two. Like that is actually by far the best pairing with Kate that we have on the roster. That's That's really cool. And I don't think that's implausible. You know, so so I I do want to just say like it's a long season, <laughs> and if and if you go into it with a lot of negativity and a lot of worry about what could go wrong, you're gonna end up missing some of the fun positivity stuff. Yeah, I, I my words that I want to use for that is confirmation bias. You're gonna go into the season and as soon as you see one thing bad happen, you're immediately gonna be like, oh, see, I told you, and then you'll never move off that stance, and the season will be trash for you. You won't even get to enjoy it, but. Anyways, that was a good segment. I liked talking about that. I think Hal brought some great points. I really enjoyed that segment. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Dwayne Casey's offense. He mentioned that he wanted to start using some non-paint twos. I'm going to ask Hal how he believes. Uh, first, if he believes that's a good idea, how you can go about that. Me and Hal have some good ideas about how they could possibly go about uh, possibly taking some non-paint twos. But again, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every day. And we'll be back with you guys on Monday to preview and talk about the Pistons opening preseason game on the 6th against the San Antonio Spurs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, again, make sure you guys check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd for you guys' the second listen of today. He's been doing a great se- uh, season preview series. I was on there a few weeks ago talking about the Pistons players from a fantasy perspective. So if that's your thing, make sure you go make that your second listen of every day. But before we get into any more Pistons talk, let me tell you about some of our one of our sponsors, I should say. Bet Online AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there's one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season is ramping up, and I have a, currently have a bet on tonight's Thursday night football game. Hopefully, it hits. Uh, but the NBA is coming back up too, and MLB is currently getting close into the playoffs. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Hal, so this is a conversation I actually am really looking forward to having. I feel like this is something Pistons fans, or not Pistons fans, but Pistons guys are going to like talking about as well. People who cover the team, people who write for the team, uh, write about the team, etc. I think this is, especially people who like looking at film and breaking down film, which is a lot of things I like to do. Uh, I think this is going to be real interesting. So Dwayne Casey, since he was hired with the Pistons, 
he's mentioned multiple times, want to get threes up. He always says it in conferences. He always says it in like pre-games, et cetera, uh, off-season stuff. He always says, when you get threes up, it's a three-point league. When you get threes up, threes up, threes up. Um, and I feel like the Pistons, I feel like he's kind of kept his word with that. The Pistons weren't very good at shooting threes last year. They were 28th, uh, 28th per synergy uh, points per possession of them outside shooting. They were pretty awful at it. But they do get the threes up. They do shoot them. I feel like his offense has matched what he said uh, consistently, so that's fair. But this offseason, he did mention that he thinking that he thinks the team should probably – he mentioned it while saying that the team needs to play to his players' strengths. And then he also said that possibly means taking some more non-paint twos. So, how before I go, I want to actually hear what you think about this. Do you think that's a good idea? And how can they go about that? Because I'm sure when people hear that, all they think about is basically like, you know – isolation pull up uh pull up mid-range and, and that's not the most efficient basketball uh but is there do you believe there's other ways to go about it do you think it's a good idea to even attempt to try to do for this team uh do you see where he's coming from etc cetera, etc cetera? so uh you know me I, i'm kind of an analytics driven guy um but i think it would surprise a lot of people when i say that to, like open two-point shots are good <laughs> that's you know like the analytics community kind of gets a bad rap for for making everything about threes and layups but like open two-point shots especially in the half court like if you're running half court offense and you get a you know a a decent mid-range shooter obviously you don't want a a total you don't want Andre Drummond taking these you know 18 footers but like if you get the elbow jumper for Isaiah Stewart right he was hitting those a little bit last year that's a good shot if you've got you know seven seconds left on the clock you're not going to get a better one take that shot uh, you know, we kind of saw it with uh, James Harden in uh, like the last D'Antoni year, I think it was, where like he was turning down wide open mid-range looks, like aggressively turning them down and it didn't always work out. And that's just like a mistake. You you shouldn't do that. So, um, you know, part of it is just like, hey, uh, if you're running a, a pick and roll with Isaiah Stewart and he kind of, uh, you know, pops out to that that elbow area and he's open absolutely take it. You know, those are good shots. Um, they're not the best shot. That's not what you should be scheming your offense around, but you should take it if you get it. Um, you know, I, I agree with you, like isolation drive and two point shots from a Josh Jackson or even a Jeremy Grant. Like, no, we don't, you don't need that. You don't plan on that. Um, but in the same vein, you know, like we saw with like Chris Middleton in the finals, right? Sometimes that is the only shot you can get and you should be comfortable taking it if that's the only shot you can get. Um, so, like, again, don't scheme your offense around it, but be prepared to take them when they're when they're open. You know, someone like Killian Hayes, if you can't get all the way to the rim and maybe it's just a little outside your floater range, yes, you should absolutely be used to, like, snaking the pick and roll and pulling up for that, like, Chris Paul elbow jumper. That's something you should have in the arsenal because it's not the best shot but it's still better than no shot or still better than forcing up something that's, you know, heavily contested because you were too scared to take a mid-range shot. So I'm glad you brought up Killian Hayes. I know we've talked about Killian Hayes a lot in the podcast, the last few podcasts. And you guys, some of you guys are probably wondering, you know, where's Kay Cunningham being talked about? Why aren't we talking about Kay Cunningham? Uh, I just want to say it's kind of hard to talk about Cade right now because we expect him to be good. And it's like, I, I like, I don't know what else to say, but Kay Cunningham's great and he's going to be great. And, you know, once we we need to see him play for me to talk about things. I can't. I, I'm not going to continue to sit here and say Cage great. There's only so much I can say like that. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up Killing. I think honestly, when he said that, when Dwayne Casey made that statement, I think he was talking about Killing Hayes in mind. That's that's where I went directly because in watching Killing Hayes last season, 
and watching him in the summer league, actually in the summer league, it really popped off the screen. But even last year, you guys will, if you guys followed me on Twitter, I, I provide a bunch of clips. And I talked about this a minute for, for a while that I feel like Killian Hayes, something he could do on offense that will make him even more comfortable and actually maybe help him be more efficient or help him score more is if he took those mid range shots because he, how has mentioned it multiple times. If you guys don't know what snaking the pick and roll is, I, I don't know how to really explain it through a podcast. It's like you come off the pick and you immediately like curve like ahead of the, it's hard to explain. If you don't know what's so it's I, I, if your defender is behind you, right? So your defender goes over the screen, they get behind you and then you basically just don't let them get past you. Right. It's, it's like uh car racing, right? You just like you, you weave in front of them so that they can't pass you. They can't get back in front of you. And therefore you kind of freeze the defense in a two V one with like your roller uh, and and the like the opposing big man is kind of stuck having to def- to defend 2v1 because you got your guy in your back, right? Yeah. All right. So Hal did a good job explaining it through podcast form. Uh, but it, for those of you guys for those of you guys who don't know what a snaking the pick and roll is, he just did a good job explaining it. But either way, my point is is that Killian Hayes does a pretty damn good job, I think, of snaking the pick and roll almost every time he runs it. And he opens up that mid-range jumper for himself a lot. And he took it every now and then last season. And he, I think he has some relative success in that area doing it. Um, and he also seems to really like that floater too. That he, he, he likes to equip that floater a lot. Um, something I saw in the Summit League is that he was actively searching for that mid-range pull-up when they gave it to him. And he was hitting it really well. Uh, it was looking really good. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to think of each one he took. And I don't think a single one hit rim. Uh, it, it looked pretty. He looked real confident in taking them too. He was aggressive taking them. Uh, and I think that's a good shot for him. If teams, if he doesn't think he'll be able to get all the way to the basket and they're just playing drop coverage on like th- that deep and they're giving him that m- mid-range free throw jumper that he seems pretty confident taking, his jump shot looks really smooth in the mid-range area. It looks a lot more, it looks a lot more smooth and, and, and compact in the, in the mid-range area off the dribble than it does from three on catching shoots or even threes off the dribble, I feel like. Um, but if he wants to, if that's a shot he wants to take and it's open for him, then yeah, go ahead. Uh, but there's other ways that you can make take non-paint twos as well. Uh, obviously, posting up uh, K Cunningham at like the high post area, letting him run the offense through that area. Whether it ends up in him shooting a fadeaway or a dribble pull up or something like that, maybe drawing a foul, uh, just operating in that area or running some dribble handoffs possibly, or you know driving and kicking, just operating from that area. Not necessarily uh, when I, when Dwayne Casey said that I don't I didn't take him on like exactly for his words. I took it as maybe we might be operating in that type of area more. Uh, it may not end in a non-paint two non-stop, but we're going to operate in that area more, maybe from the high post, try to facilitate from that area, op- uh, have that be like the hub of the offense a little bit more. Kind of like, uh, if you guys remember, go back a few years when Andre Drummond was like for Stan Van Gundy and a lot of the offense was operating from the high post and it was a lot of dribble handoffs, et cetera. Now you got a guy in Kay Cunningham who is able to t- shoot pull-ups, fadeaways, can play make off of it, can get into the paint. Like he can do all those things. So I feel like, what he was really saying that does he want, is he going to be open to more non-paint twos? Yes. Some pull-ups from Kate Cunningham, maybe some floaters from K- Killian and pull-ups in the pick and roll. Yes. But I feel like more so what he was trying to say is that we're going to be operating more of our offense from that area and whatever, whatever outcome we get from that area, then fair enough. If it's a non-paint two, okay. But that's where we're going to be operating our area more from. If there's, if there's anything else you want to add on to that, how you can go ahead. Uh, I, I guess the last thing I would say is just when coaches say stuff to the media, Right. They're either like trying to put out a fire or they're trying to like give a give permission to their team for something. Right. That's that's kind of like what they do a lot is like 
him saying that publicly is kind of saying very publicly, like you're not going to be in trouble for shooting these shots, right? That's uh, coaches do this all the time. They just kind of throw this out there because it's like, Hey, I said it to the media. So like, I can't, I can't go back on that in the locker room. Right. It's, it's just a very public permission for people to do stuff. Same way as like praising the guy, you know, praising Killian in the media. They might still have concern. Like we've got a lot of hype for Killian over the last couple of days from Dwayne Casey. I'm sure he's still just as concerned as everyone else about, you know, some of the scoring and whatnot, but it's a very public show of like, Hey, you have our permission to go out there and, you know, be your best self, play freely, etc. That's, you know, that's what these press conferences are is not just talking to us, but also putting a statement out there that says, you know, we're putting our word behind this so that you kind of have this understanding that we are endorsing you publicly. We're, you know, we're, we're behind you there. So, uh, you know, I, I think that when I, when we see these media today things, that's what I see more than anything is like, we get a lot of noise about Killian Hayes. You know what? It sounds like Dwayne Casey really wants to make sure he's confident going into this season. Right. We're not hearing nearly as much about Isaiah Stewart because we kind of know who Isaiah Stewart is. And I think Isaiah knows who he is uh, and he probably doesn't need that quite as much. So, yeah, that was the last thing I had. Fair enough. And I agree with everything you just said, uh, but we can go ahead and wrap up the podcast right there. We made good time. Hal, I believe we're just under 31 minutes. I think we're at right now or 32 minutes. We did good time. So uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at and your podcast. Uh, Hal Bridius on Twitter and the Busted Header on iTunes and Spotify and hopefully wherever else you get your podcast. Let us know if you can't find it. There you go. Make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter. Check out his podcast. As for me, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys go follow me on Twitter at NBA. If you haven't already, make sure you leave a five-star review down below. Uh, just to preview you guys a little bit for the upcoming podcast, the upcoming week, I am leaving for Chicago tomorrow when you guys listen to this, so it will be a Saturday. Leaving for Chicago to go tend to my fiance's interior design convention that she's going to. Uh, she is an interior designer, obviously. Uh, so we're going to be there from the second to the seventh. I am not. I'm not going to be in Detroit for the Pistons' first preseason game, but I plan on bringing her laptop. I'm going to try to record during still next week live each day. Uh, but if if the quality doesn't sound as good, just just giving you guys a preview of what's what's happening next week. I'm going to be gone, so. Uh, maybe a little bit behind on some news because uh, I'll be with her at the interior design convention, but I definitely will be doing everything I can to stay up to news to everything that's going on. But I appreciate you guys for listening. I'll see you guys on Monday. Go Pistons. Have a great day. I hope you guys are joining the podcast. I'll see you guys later.